Welcome to So Tell Me More, a podcast where you can join Prabhnur and Navya, two psychotherapy students, as they dive into various topics through a psychotherapy lens. This podcast will get you thinking and reflecting on all things mental health, ranging from self-care to learning more about what exactly cognitive behavior therapy is. We hope you stick around. In today's episode, we'll be discussing virtual school through a psychotherapy lens. There have been a lot of changes this past year with the pandemic, things being shut down, and a lot of transitions to having things online. Work, school, appointments, you name it. Today, we will discuss Zoom fatigue and how having school online has impacted various individuals. We're excited to introduce our two guest speakers for today's episode, Arya and Ikis. Arya is entering her second year of the undergraduate commerce program at McMaster University. She's an executive member of various clubs on campus and the founder of a Student Diaries Instagram page, where she shares helpful strategies for fellow students. Ikis is going into his second year at Waterloo University, and he's transferring into the GBDA program, or Global Business and Digital Arts. Welcome, Arya and Ikis. How are you guys doing today? Hi, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having us on this episode. I think this is a really important topic to discuss, so I'm really glad you have us on the episode. I'm also doing quite stellar myself. I think this is a very nice opportunity for me to, you know, sort of just explain how my experiences have been for online school. Yeah, I know it's been a big transition, especially since you guys transitioned from high school Mm -hmm. to university while this was all happening. So big moves. So it's not only just hard doing that when things are normal, but having everything online and getting that support. So we're really curious to know how that's been. But just before we get into that, we wanted to give everyone or our listeners a context on what the pandemic or having things online has been impacting and how that's been impacting individuals. And something that's come up a lot is this idea of Zoom fatigue. So in our last episode, we talked a bit about compassion fatigue, but today we'll be talking about Zoom fatigue and what it is. And essentially, it's this exhaustion that you feel over any kind of video call. And it is called Zoom fatigue generally because of the widespread using Zoom this past year and how many individuals have been having Zoom meetings. And Zoom really has just become a part of our vocabulary Mm -hmm. these days. But it is not only limited to using Zoom, but generally any kind of video conferencing platform. I know Google Meets or WebEx, a whole bunch of other platforms that people have been using. And essentially, it's very similar to exhaustion and burnout. Some of the symptoms or experiences that one could have if they are experiencing this Zoom fatigue is wanting to avoid or canceling or rescheduling any video meetings, often doing multiple things when they are in class or when they are on these calls online. So looking at your emails or having texts open, keeping your video off so you can do all these things and not be noticed. Also feeling quite tense and drained and having this low energy associated with being constantly in these online meetings. In addition, you're having this impaired ability to handle work responsibilities because you're feeling so stressed and drained. You don't want to do things and you feel really tired of everything. So that's also something that many people could experience. And something that I know I can relate to very easily is having sore eyes. I often feel like, oh my God, by the end of a day, I have a headache, my eyes hurt. I do not want to look at a screen, even if it's like to relax and rewind. I'm just like, I stop, (laughs) like I need to have my eyes closed and do absolutely nothing. And 
in align with that, needing alone time after meetings, all of these things that people have been sharing and experiencing in relation to having this Zoom fatigue or this exhaustion from online meetings and everything really just being online. Mm-hmm. Like Prabner mentioned, the use of Zoom has really increased throughout this pandemic. And now there's a lot of research on this area of Zoom fatigue, and it's quite interesting, actually. So we can look at some of the causes for why people might be feeling Zoom fatigue, other than being on Zoom calls all the time. So looking at some of these underlying mechanisms. And one of them that's been suggested in the literature is nonverbal overload. And what this entails is excessive amounts of close-up eye gaze. So when you're in a Zoom meeting, you're actually very close to people, not physically, but in a Zoom call, much closer than we would typically feel comfortable doing in person. A second aspect of nonverbal overload is cognitive load. There's actually a lot that goes on with Zoom calls, right? Like muting, unmuting yourself, checking yourself and how you're looking in a video call, making sure that people can hear you, you can hear other people. So lots and lots of different things that are going on in your mind. And so that can also be very exhausting. Another aspect is the increased self-evaluation from staring at a video of yourself all the time, all throughout the day, constantly checking yourself. It's almost like you're holding up a mirror throughout your entire day, which is very unusual. We typically don't function that way. And the last part of the nonverbal overload is the constraints on physical mobility. This is something that many people can relate to. You're sitting in your office chair all day or in your work chair and usually not moving all that much from that chair because it's one meeting after another and there's very limited chances to actually go outside, move around other than after you're done your work day or your school day. And by that point, like some of the symptoms suggest, you're quite exhausted and you just don't want to do anything and just want to close your eyes and have a break. Those are some of the nonverbal overload aspects of Zoom fatigue. And some research from Stanford University suggests that reflecting your self-view and seeing yourself actually makes you much more critical of how you're looking, and that can be extremely mentally taxing. So there's a lot of people who already have certain difficulties with body image and viewing themselves, and this just enhances it and makes it a lot more challenging. And lastly, I think this is another aspect that many of us are experiencing now, which is working from home really blurs the line between the home life and work life. It's really hard to tell when you have started work and when you've finished it and when you're now at home in your time off. And so this can involve challenges such as being disrupted during meetings by children, pets, etc. It could include some home emergencies, so having to step out of meetings to deal with something else going on. Noise disruptions is something that I've definitely experienced. And just different parts of your home appearing in work meetings. It's much harder to figure out these boundaries. And that is another reason why people could be experiencing Zoom fatigue. Yeah, so a lot of ways that people are being impacted, not only with their experiences in school, work, but also how they're viewing home and all of that being online and us being closed in our own homes or spaces and how all of that has really been impacting everyone. But I'm curious to know from our guest speakers, though, you guys are both going into your second year of university. How has that transition been from high school to university and having classes online? Mm -hmm, For sure. I can kind of get us started off. So for me, I think the biggest thing was using a bunch of different platforms. So coming from high school, we had the classic Google Classroom, Google Docs, Google Drive. 
And going into university, then we had Mosaic that we used for McMaster. We had Top Hat. We had Avenue to Learn. So all these like wide variety of platforms. And that was the most challenging aspect was adjusting to that. Each professor would have a different method that they would like. So just really getting used to that. As well, I think the biggest thing, of course, is the social aspect, meeting new people, making new friends. I think that was definitely the hardest for me. Yeah, I think the social interaction is such a key part of things. And somehow technology has brought us closer together for sure. We're now able to connect with people all around the world. But in other ways has really made us isolated, right? The the nature of our interactions are now different. We're just looking at people in Zoom calls or on FaceTime calls or WhatsApp calls. And it is quite different. And like you said, going into university and having that social aspect changed can be incredibly challenging. And that's definitely something we can touch on. The transition for me from high school to uh, university, I would say, was quite challenging because for the first time, I'd have all my courses in university all asynchronous, so that would mean I'd have to do everything. There wouldn't be any scheduled video meetings for anyone unless you'd specifically request, like, once a week, the instructor would have sets of people, sets of, like, 10, and they'd go over me questions, and that's about it. Other than that, everything would just be reliant on myself, and so I found that quite hard because... If you would fall behind, it'd be extremely difficult to catch up because you have like a full course load. For me, it would be like five courses. And so within a week, you'd have a quiz test every week for each course and you just have like a lot of material to fit in. And so you don't really have anyone teaching you. So you can't really just ask questions like on the go. You'd have to go out of your way and schedule something and then they would come. And then by that time, maybe you already had a quiz by then. So it would be kind of hard that way. And so even the winter term, I would say, it was a bit better because now that I realize, oh, I have to stay on top of my work. I can't get behind. I have to make sure I do the quizzes like maybe a day before or even a week before. Just, you know, so I don't fall behind. And that was basically my experience. Yeah, I think I definitely resonate with that. I found that in winter term, I definitely had more of a feel of how university was. So I had a good schedule going. I had, I really found myself through that and what works for me, what doesn't work for me. So I think seeing that difference from fall term to winter term there was definitely a difference yeah yeah I agree I think there's such a big learning curve entering university and then throughout your first year and every year after that you learn so much about yourself you learn so much about what works for you and learning styles and like Ike said for some people they love asynchronous styles because you're not bound to any sort of schedule and you can just do whatever you want. But for other people, it's really challenging to get that self-regulation and motivation to actually complete your courses when they're not scheduled and you have to create your own schedule and figure out what works for you. And I think for me specifically, I would have a really hard time doing anything asynchronous. It's been really helpful for me in our classes, actually having scheduled times when we have to be there with our cameras on, interacting with our classmates. I think that's something that I've personally also really appreciated in Mm -hmm. our classes where they're scheduled, we all join at the same time, there's a lecture that would have happened in person but now it's just through Zoom and then you get that real-time opportunity to ask questions, Mm -hmm. meet your classmates and I think that's something that Aika's touched upon having to you know go out of your way to get that extra help can be so challenging not only as any university student but especially as a first year student when you're just coming in you don't know how things work it's a big change and then to have to figure out and navigate who do i reach out to who can actually answer these questions is it teaching assistants is it the professors is it other peers and then how do you even reach the other peers if you've never really met them so i think it is really challenging to have things like that and 
try to navigate everything all on your own. So Arya, you mentioned a little bit about how it was difficult for you to form those social interactions and connections with your peers, especially entering a new school. Can you talk a little bit more about that experience for you? So I would definitely consider myself an extrovert. And regardless, being an extrovert, I still found that I had to go that extra mile just to meet new people, have those interactions. Because for a lot of my classes, it was mics off, cameras off, Mm -hmm. you kind of do your own thing. And I really missed meeting new people, making friends. So I found that I had to go through group chats, privately message people, be like, hey, how's it going? And really get myself out there, which honestly was challenging for me because I've heard that in first year, you just meet so many people along the way through your welcome week, through residence, frosh week, whatever it may be, which we didn't have. We had a virtual welcome week. So also not a lot of people attended that because of of course on Zoom, it's it's much different. Mm -hmm. It's much harder to put yourself out there, especially being introverted as well, if you are. But I definitely found that going that extra mile, it was a challenge for me. But I'm really glad I did because I did make and gain a great support system out of it, which was really important. They helped me through getting through my courses, how to buy textbooks, the very basics that I had no idea about coming into university. So having that support group, I'm so grateful that I did put myself out there because I really gained a good friend group from that. I think I I know how social you are and so I can just imagine that for you that's such a big part of your university experience and something that you were looking forward to and just thinking about like people who do have a harder time reaching out and socializing with people how isolating it can be for them when you're not just given those opportunities because I remember you're so right about welcome week and a lot of different events people just start to like mesh together you start to get along and everyone's really nice and looking for support and so it's a great time to make those friends and some of them stick with you like a lot of the friends that I've met have stuck with me up until now and now I'm doing my master's and so it is really important and it's unfortunate that it's become so much harder to do that but I'm glad to hear that you were able to find ways to get yourself out there and make those connections but yeah it's tough like if you had to like look through people in group chats and see who's in your zoom class and not actually know what they look like or anything like that and have to find them it feels a little bit like a lot of extra work (laughs) for sure yeah and like you said you have friends that have now been your close friends too Mm -hmm. they've stuck with you for the past four years so I think that also influenced me reaching out to people as well because everyone around me was like uni is where you make lifelong friends so coming into university I had this idea that I need to make the most of it now or else I'm not gonna have friends honestly speaking so I was very stressed and caught up with that that I need to meet new people now I need to make my friends now so that really pushed me to get out there which of course is not the case you do meet people in your final year even after university but having that all around me and people telling me that I think that really gave me that push to put myself out there yeah I think for me I would say it was okay at the very beginning of first year there was some interaction Mm -hmm. because people had these at least for my math class there was like these escape rooms and that was like a really fun way to interact with people But literally within the first couple of weeks of university, there was this big scandal and uh, I forgot the exact number, but there was quite a few people who got suspended or expelled. Maybe it was like 60 or 80 or something. I can't remember exactly. And that kind of pushed, I think, everyone back to not have like a social interaction like that. Because I, I was very scared after that. I'm like, oh, even if I'm talking to people, I don't want to get caught up in any scandal like that. Even if I know I'm not doing anything, but they could be doing. And just because I'm in contact with them, 
who knows i could get caught up in it as well there was this i forgot who said it my professors are like oh let's say you have your laptop open mm-hmm. and one of your friends goes up to it and they copy what you're doing and they post that but you're not aware you just left your laptop open and you were unaware what was happening you would get the punishment which is kind of i guess unfair but also it was also your fault that you left your laptop unlocked but i just found that kind of scary as well i feel like once i go into university after second year mm-hmm. and then you get to meet people more face to face i feel like it'd be much easier to have some easier social interactions so was it that this scandal was more around academic dishonesty that deterred everyone from interacting with people yeah academic dishonesty there was i think i don't know how many people i don't know and they all like cheated or something on the same test Mm. yeah that's i've heard that a lot actually that having things online has made it made you know being academically dishonest a lot more accessible almost because you have this screen and you can open multiple tabs on the internet and just search answers for tests and it's hard to navigate all that and i can't imagine having that as another added pressure on a student coming into university and yeah how has that been actually for you guys yeah i can kind of jump in and talk about that i felt the same thing so I obviously wanted to be part of all these group chats and meet new people but then they start talking about this test and that test and oh what did you get for this and it just keeps rolling into again academic dishonesty and it's so hard to draw that line where yes I want to be friends with you but then I should leave this chat for my own benefit you know I don't want to be associated with this so that was really challenging I know I was in a couple of group chats where I honestly had to leave and it was so sad for me because I really liked those people and I wanted to be part of the chat but but it was rolling into something that was too messy. And so drawing that line was really hard. And again, like Ike said, then you get scared. You don't want to meet new people. You don't want to be in these chats, which is honestly sad, right? It is really sad. I feel like that's the last thing you want, things deterring people from not interacting with each other. And it's really hard to set boundaries, especially coming into a new school and having a new set of friends. It's easy to get carried away and just try to do what the group is doing. But I think it's it's impressive for both of you to actually notice that this stuff is happening and set your own boundaries early on. Because as Prabhnur and I know, the higher and higher you get in your education, it's so important to be careful about academic dishonesty and, and have that in mind. And honestly, to just be a little selfish about it. Because ultimately, it's your career on the line and your education on the line so you really do have to be cautious for sure and just adding on to that i also found that zoom calls um group chats would do zoom calls do tests together assignments together and then you don't want to miss out they're like chatting at the same time you don't want to miss out on that call but then you're like okay they're definitely cheating you don't want to be part of that so again yeah drawing that line was definitely difficult i'm also curious to know that I know I often get emails from McMaster being like, oh, there are these wellness groups or there's these social interactions that you can do and let's do virtual coffee chats and all that. Have there been any supports or have there been any groups that have been shared through universities offering more of an opportunity to interact with people virtually? There's a lot on Instagram, I would say. Not quite directly through your email. But there's a lot on well, Twitter and Instagram, mostly like social media platforms. They do a lot of the promoting of wellness groups and mental health, safety and all that. That's quite nice to... I never attended one myself, but maybe I should next time I see the notification pop up. I will definitely check out what's it about. 
Yeah, for sure. I found the same thing for a lot of clubs specifically. Their events were promoted through Instagram, which was a change for me because I would straight go to the website and see what they're doing. But Instagram is definitely a big thing. I know in first year, I attended a yoga session and that was definitely interesting. (laughs) So I would say not the same as it was in person, of course. I was definitely missing that whole vibe where everyone's together everyone's doing yoga together nice music it was definitely not like that majority of the people had their cameras off Mm -hmm. the main person who was facilitating the yoga session she was the one who had her camera on so it was nice to de-stress and really pull myself away from studying and the yoga definitely helped with my posture and things like that but in terms of social interactions and having it as a fun event I was definitely missing that aspect of it. I think it's so hard to host virtual events in a way that people, first of all, will attend and secondly, actually get some sort of social interaction out of it. And, you know, Prabhnur and I being part of the Graduate Psychotherapy Association have been trying really hard to set up these virtual events and coffee chats for our class. But we know like all of us are just itching to see each other in person. It's completely different. And like you said, there's these other barriers, right? So people being in their own homes and not having the shared experience of, let's say, a yoga class or an art class. And then also having cameras off and being muted. It really doesn't feel like you're part of a group and and having the benefits of being part of a social interaction or social event. 100%. I'm part of two or three clubs at McMaster as an Mm -hmm. exec member. And again, we help a lot with facilitating events. We plan events. It is really difficult because you know for a fact that, you know, you're going to plan for less people attending because it's online. But it is very difficult to get people to come out to your events. And then again, you want to host events, right? Mm -hmm. You you want your club to be out there and you want to spread your name. So it is really challenging to make it enticing for people to come and have those incentives like, oh, gift cards and things like that. But then also make it fun and informative so that people stay till the end. I'm curious to know then, how has your overall experience been having everything online? And I know, I guess you briefly touched upon it that, oh, maybe it'll be different next year. So how has updates been on even going in person and how has that all been for you? So there haven't been too many updates through Waterloo University. They came very late. So I had the choice of either do I want to go to campus or not want to go to campus? Will I have my classes online or not? And then I found out later that most of my courses were online except for two so would it really be worth just for that one or two courses to go online and spend that that much money but then again there's experience that you want to go and meet new people so i will be going second year onto campus but i won't be directly going into you know like the buildings and stuff like that i'll Mm -hmm. just be going maybe the facilities they have maybe sports facilities or whatever and i know that they're required now to have double vaccination so yes. you cannot go to campus or you can't be near like the Waterloo residence without like two shots of fully vaccinated. Yeah, for sure. I'm in a similar boat as well. For my fall term, I actually have one course in person and everything else is online. So again, it, it really eases you into the in-person element. That's what I like about it, actually. I like how it's not, okay, now all your classes are in-person. Last year, you had all online. I like how it's like one or two, really easing you into it. Because for me, I have a couple in Burke Science Building, and I'm like, where is that? Now I have to find that. So I like how it's one or two, so I can really get familiar with the area as well. And yeah, now they're requiring you to be fully vaccinated, so you feel a bit more safe using the facilities as well, knowing that everyone around you is vaccinated. And again, I am moving out to a student house as well so I am trying to 
get more of the uni experiences. So living with people in a student house, being close to campus, having one class in person. So I am definitely looking forward to second year. It, it will be a big jump from first year from staying home and having completely online and not seeing Mac maybe just once or twice. Yeah, it's so true. But I think the facilities are also such a big part of the university experience, even if you're not having all your classes in person in those massive lecture halls, just being able to go to a library and go to the gym. It does offer a lot. And those are some places maybe where you can get some social interaction, get a break from that virtual learning and just have that hands on experience in a university campus. So I'm wondering a little bit about a couple of ways that you've coped with virtual school, some things that you've done to just keep yourself afloat and sort of avoid that Zoom fatigue that a lot of people have been experiencing. Mm -hmm, for sure. I can get us started with that. So Zoom fatigue definitely prevalent I felt it every single day even if it wasn't on zoom any platform just yeah. being on a screen all the time and this is actually kind of funny but so in high school taking a break for me would mean going on my phone replying to messages after you know listening to my teacher looking at the whiteboard or blackboard what it may be and now taking a break from zoom is again going on another device going on my phone on instagram so it's no break from screen time so actually the way i would take my break had to change a lot coming into university so i had to make a, my break not include screens which was weird for me because i was like oh my break is like to play candy crush go on tiktok instagram and now it's like okay i want to put my phone away put everything away and just do something to rest my eyes and really take a proper break and it's funny because that's actually how breaks should be it should be no devices really taking time for yourself and it's funny how our breaks in the past, like especially for me, would be, again, going on my phone, which wasn't much of a break. So that definitely changed a lot. I found that eating helped a lot for me, like t having healthy snacks or, you know, staying hydrated, things like that in mm -hmm. between my lectures and stuff like that. Along with that, I would say, honestly, just closing your eyes, resting your eyes, not doing anything, not talking to anyone, not looking at anything, just closing your eyes and just not thinking about anything. Because I know for me, I would always have something on my mind. Like, what, what should I do after this break? What should I do next? When should I study for this? So just not thinking about anything. It doesn't have to be a very productive break. It could honestly just be yeah. laying down on your couch or on your bed. And that can be the most effective. Exactly. I think productive is very different. It doesn't mean busy. It means doing what you need in that moment. And that's such an important point. I would say Zoom fatigue for me. Well, I didn't really have Zoom. I had the Microsoft one, Microsoft Teams. At the beginning, all of my video calls that I had to attend the lectures, they were quite tedious, but none mm -hmm. of them required me to have my microphone on or my video on. So I could literally be doing anything I wanted, but just like listening. Obviously, I should have listened. And I did because they were important. <laughs> so for tutorials, they were the ones I had to attend. And the ones where I didn't have to have my webcam on or my, my microphone on, what I did was very late in the semester, I would join the meeting on my phone and go to sleep. Which was because I know it sounds bad, but most of the tutorials were like, oh, so you've read the notes, you know what to do, we're just going to go over them. So they were required, but they were nice to attend. But by the end of the semester, I was very burnt out. So I'm like, yep, yeah, on my phone, attendance, mark, nice, done, go to sleep, wake up, do all my other work. So, yeah, that was my Zoom fatigue, call it. For sure. I want to touch on burnout, actually, because I felt that a lot. So for me, I, I definitely do too much in the moment. So for me, um, for one day, I could study for this test 
in a couple of days. But I, for me, I'm like, I have to do everything right now. So I felt burnout a lot because I was trying to cram all my studying and everything and really overexert myself every single day. So I think it would be like halfway towards the semester, towards the end, I would have no energy left. And that's kind of where it's really important with final exams and midterms and stuff like that. So for me, I really had to work on, okay, you don't have to finish all of this today. You, It's okay to do this tomorrow. It's okay to do this the next day. And that was really hard for me. I'm still working on it myself. Um, even going into second year, I'm still trying to really balance out my days. And some days it does get to me where I'm like, no, I, I should at least review this for five, ten minutes and really pushing myself and saying, stop, you don't need to do this today. I think that was really important for me. Yeah, I think you both touch on various things that could be helpful and maybe make us a little unproductive and unhelpful, but there are various ways people do respond to coping, to having everything online. I think this is a very novel situation for many of us, so we really are trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. I, I know I'm also guilty at times. I know that when I had to listen to early morning presentations where I did not need to have my video on, I'm, I am guilty of just having it on the background and maybe doing something else or resting is what I like to say, resting my eyes and while well, trying to listen. So you're not the only one that is experiencing this. I think a lot of us can relate to not wanting to be there, feeling burnt out, just being really exhausted by the whole situation, really. But I think what's helpful is that there are various coping strategies that people can use that have been helpful. And some of them that I'd like to point out is actually arranging your camera so that you are visible. And it's interesting because I know a lot of us often want to have our cameras off, our mics off, but what can be helpful is actually seeing other individuals, especially I know that when we had our classes, Navia and I, having everyone's video on and seeing that we were all there collectively, it felt very supportive and it was like a nice thing to see even though we were all virtual. So I think having your camera on when it is appropriate to do so could be something that would be helpful. Another aspect is actually using active facial and body responses as if you are communicating just to one person face to face can be helpful. In addition to also configuring your body and your environment to respond to your meeting. So let's say if you are in a meeting sitting upright, maybe sitting on a desk, not on a bed, so it feels like you are in this working environment. So that could also help change your mindset on the environment and the interaction itself and something that is much easier said than done but reducing multitasking in general so whether that's having your lecture on looking at emails responding to messages I know I'm guilty of this as well as I feel like I can just do so many things at one time since I don't need to actively be participating but if you are able to limit that it can be very helpful and overall improve your interactions and lastly something that's interesting and I know this is a feature in zoom and I'm not sure if it is in others but I assume it would be is hiding your self-view so some people find it very difficult to look at their own video and their own pictures in real time when they are in a lecture and they are in a presentation so hiding your own view but still having everyone else's view present Mm -hmm. can be something that is helpful so others can still see you but you don't have to be actively looking at yourself but that could be a few things that one can explore to see if it is helpful to address some of those zoom fatigue experiences that you could be having 
Yeah, I think another big thing is just setting boundaries for yourself as well. So mm-hmm. really, I think one thing that was tough for me is checking my emails on weekends and evenings when it's technically my time off, but not having that set schedule that, oh, I'm off work now or I'm off my practicum, my placement. I don't have classes. So knowing when your day ends and when your day begins can be a really helpful way to just separate your life into the work and the school and then your own personal stuff. So that's something that's helped me. And then also just having like a desk for my working space and I don't do other things at my desk. I just do my work. And then I have other parts of my house which are meant for leisure and for relaxing. So just setting those own physical boundaries in your own home can be a really helpful way to figure things out give yourself some space and set those boundaries i just want to say thank you so much both aria and negas for joining us today and talking a bit more about your experiences and the transition and hopefully things will get easier and hopefully you'll get to see more in-person classes in your second year and do get to experience some of those university experiences and joys that you have been hearing about But I just want to say thank you so much for taking out the time and sharing your thoughts today in our episode. For sure. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. And with that, we can just remind you that this information is meant to be purely educational. We are not health professionals, just graduate students navigating these topics with you. Any podcast content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We recommend that you always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions regarding your mental health and your well-being. We also would like to leave you with some resources. These are just a few that we know of, but we do encourage you to check out your own local resources. Those which we know can be helpful include Good to Talk, Kids Help Phone, Connects Ontario, Wellness Together Canada, and really any others that you can think of. This is limited to Ontario and Canada, but dependent on where you are, please do check out your local resources and reach out for help if you need it. And just a reminder that you can connect with us using our email, which is so tell me more podcast at gmail.com and our Instagram page at so tell me more podcast. Check out our Insta page for any future updates. And it's also a great way to reach out to us and share what you're interested in hearing or any feedback that you may have. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts or wherever else you're listening right now. And just to wrap up, we want to say thank you so much for listening to our episode. We hope you learned something new or simply enjoyed our exploration of virtual school. We're excited to continue exploring new topics in future episodes, but for now, stay safe and take care.